Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Paul, what is going on? Nothing. Just got home from an outstanding day. I went to the building today and walked, you know, to 400 miles. That's the five-sided building of which we will not say by name. Yep, that building. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but welcome back to the land of the living. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I've kicked the boys outside. They're throwing the football around, and I think they're about to mow the lawn here soon. Sweet. Um, So we can record a podcast in silence. So, all right, man. Well, let's get going. Let's start off with another one of those questions. What, What question do you have for us today? Okay. So this came in yesterday from, I'm not going to say her name, but she's a good friend of mine. But anyway, she's a friend a, of mine too. A, yep. And she's a friend of your, she's a friend of ours. Kind of like the mafia, yeah. right? Like a friend of ours or a friend of, you know, a friend of yours she's or a whatever. Good yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this is a fairly common question, I think, actually. So here it is. And I've gotten it before from other people. Uh, I have an outstanding policy loan, but I have the cash in a savings account to pay it off. What do I do? Pay it off. Pay it off. Always. Yes. Of course. Oh, yeah, always. Right. I mean, this is so common. It's it's really elementary once you're doing this concept for a while. But at the beginning, you know, a lot of times we have to take a step back and realize, hey, we were at, at that place too. Right. And it's, uh, we do all this education, coaching with clients before they get that policy. Then they put it in force. And then we're there for them. They can reach back with questions anytime. And I'm glad she did like that. Um, but sometimes I'll reach out and I'll say, hey, I looked, it looks like you got $20,000 out in a policy loan. Um, hey, how's that repayment plan going? Oh, well, good. I've got you know some cash sitting in my savings account I'm saving up for for a vacation coming up this summer. I'm like, why? Why are you saving your cash in someone else's bank? You've created the perfect banking system for you to save your cash. You should never, ever, ever have that saved in somebody else's bank when you still have room inside your bank to put that cash. Yep. And when you, when Dave says room folks, he's talking about it could be PUA premium that you could you could throw some cash at. It could be just in this case an outstanding loan. But there's there's no reason. I think I think it's that loan mindset where I'm paying a car loan to a third party and that money's gone forever every payment I make or a mortgage payment. They think it's it's gone or it's in the equity in the house. Like they're right? not going to have access to it when they make that loan payment right. back. But that's not right. couldn't so, be further from the truth. That's right. So I want to address the mechanics. You've already saved the money for whatever you're doing. In this case, this person has a $78,000 policy loan out plus interest, right? Um, But she has $78,000 in change in sitting in a savings account, right? So I said, yeah, absolutely. Pay off that policy loan. Two weeks later, after she pays back that policy loan, if she needed that $78,000, she could take it right back out in another policy loan. Yep. But why why not be as efficient as we can exactly. with, with interest, right? Right. It's kind of like a HELOC or any line of credit. If you've ever mm-hmm. worked with a home equity line of credit or any banking line of credit where you can take that money out whenever you want and you can put it back in whenever you want. But 
when that money's out, you're going to pay interest on it. As soon as you pay that back, it's reca- at the end of the day, they're going to say, oh, they paid this back. Now they don't have to pay interest on that amount anymore. Then, if, So if you've used that, you understand that it makes the most sense in the world just to fill that line of credit back up as quickly as possible because one, you're not going to pay any interest on anything because there's no outstanding balance anymore. And two, you're going to have access to that cash when you need it. It's still liquid. It's not locked away. Every dollar you pay back against a loan becomes a dollar available that you can loan again. Right? That's right. And I think there was some confusion on her part. And this is this is something that I had to ask at the beginning of, of mine. I probably asked you, like, what does loan capitalization mean? And in this particular company, that's what they call it. Her annual premium or anniversary of her policy happened to hit. And of course, they always put that on the ledger, like loan capitalization on her online portal. She saw a certain amount of interest. And she's yeah. like, what is that? I thought it's going to roll over at the anniversary of the policy loan. And I was like, no, that's let, that's them letting you know, like, this is how much interest has accrued thus far. And if you do the the math of the average daily balance, it's exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is kind of like another question we get is some people pay, most people like to pay their premiums annually. Like you and I like to do that. Uh, most mm-hmm. of our clients do. Um, so they'll pay the premium annually and then they'll start saving in another account for the upcoming premium a year from now. Right. Well, and as they're doing that, maybe they take a loan out uh, against their cash value to go do an investment or buy a car or whatever. Now how they have this outstanding loan that they're paying back, but they're still taking those dollars every month that are dedicated to their premium next year and putting them in a savings account. And what would you tell them if they were doing that? Yeah, if I have a hole in my policy, like I've dug a hole via a policy loan, I'm going to fill that back up. Mm-hmm. Now, do I like to use new dollars to pay my premium? Yes. We're not into this laddering of policies and all this other nonsense, right? But if those are new dollars, right? You're just saving them. You're putting them in a different place. You happen to be putting them back against your your policy loan or your, your line of credit feature or whatever. Yeah. So it's still new money. And then if you have to take a small policy loan to pay the entire premium, go ahead and do so. You're still you're still capitalizing properly, in my opinion. Sure. Or, or go to monthly premium payments if you want. So yep. there's options. Uh, so bottom line, if you have any room in your policy whatsoever, that should be the first place that you put any of your savings dollars or your mm-hmm. earmarked dollars. You, you got to you know do a house project three months from now and you're saving up for it. If you have room in your policy, save it there. Like that's that's where you want to put dollars first and foremost when they come into your possession. Put them there and uh, and they're going to be there for you when you need them. That's right. And the hole could be, again, just to reiterate, things bear repeating, policy loan, or it could be maybe I have an extra $5,000 of room in my PUA rider. Put it there. Yeah. In fact, I would put it there first. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Well, it's not but, direct recognition. Well, so this is good. That's a good question for people who already have policies in place. So I know we have some some listeners who, who already practice infinite banking. Um, and this is just that ongoing education and coaching for them. So um, I, I like answering those questions too, not just the, the questions from newbies. So uh, keep the questions coming. Thanks for sending them. Um, all right. Well, today, this is going to be fun. We're going to talk a case study. I love case studies. I love hearing them, you know, getting examples and learning from something somebody else has done. So this is a case study, and I'll do most of the talking here up front uh, because it's my client. Uh, so the background here is got a client. We, we've been friends for years, but we've been talking 
you know, infinite banking for a couple years and he was about to pull the trigger and then he had to leave the country for a year uh, due to a military deployment and, you know, the no insurance company would insure him because he was out of the country uh, in a hazardous duty area. So we had to wait till he came back last summer and he came back and we were finally able to put this policy in place after almost two years of discussions and, and research. So he started with a large policy. He went big, which is great. And he's very comfortable with it and happy with it. Uh, and a couple months later, after funding, he funded the annual premium up front. So I think maybe it was somewhere around $30,000, let's say. Um, and a couple months later, his, uh, he, he sent his kids to private school. So the tuition bill comes in, you know, in August for the next year. And it says, hey, you can pay this much every month. But if you pay uh, all of it at once right now for the full year, you're going to get a massive discount. And in this case, the discount was 24%. So I'll, I'll use some real numbers. Uh, the annual cost, if he paid monthly, cost that tuition was going to be just over $28,000. But he saw that if he paid it all in one lump sum, it was only going to cost just over $21,000. So he texted me. He was very excited. He's like, hey, I finally, you know, I, I used my first policy loan because I was able to pay this tuition up front because I had access to capital. And what it gave me was a 24% discount. And I was like, man, that is phenomenal. You're thinking like a banker. And then I sat down and started thinking about it even harder. And I was like, you know what? It's even better than a 24% discount. What he actually earned was a nearly 33% rate of return on his money. Now we'll talk numbers about that, but not only what is it 33% rate of return on his money, but it was also tax-free and there was zero risk whatsoever. So how many people are actually doing that when they're out? You know, what are we taught, Paul, to go search for that high rate of return, right? So everybody's playing offense, yep. but nobody thinks about defense. Nope. So think, uh, so this whole process, the whole infinite banking concept gets you thinking in a different way. And in this way, he was thinking defensively, how can I, what he did effectively was turn $21,000 and created the purchasing power of $28,000 which is a 33% rate of return on those dollars. Now, I don't care. People might want to argue with me. That's not a real rate of return. I don't care what you have to say. If you use $21,000 and it does the work of $28,000, how is that any different than putting $21,000 somewhere and a year later, it's now equal to $28,000? Without tax. Without tax and without risk. Zero risk whatsoever. It was an automatic discount. So I thought that was just phenomenal that he was able to recognize that even after just a couple months of owning his policy, he was ready to seize on opportunities immediately. Because what do we say when you have capital? Opportunity finds you. Yeah. And in this case, it did uh, in the form of something he probably had never even considered before. Yep. And I think you go back and and ask the question if, you know, whatever your friend's name is, you know, a couple years ago, what do you even been looking for this type of, what do you even seen this opportunity? Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Probably not even something he would have even considered uh, looking at that, like a $21,000 right now, all up front. No way. And I got other bills to pay. Um, or it could have been the opposite where maybe he was just saving all of his money 
in the bank. And this is a concept, and we're going to repeat ourselves here. <laughs> we did a full episode on it, well, half an episode last week on this. Um, but like most things we say, it bears repeating. Um, Paul, if he had saved up that $21,000 in a savings account over the last year or two years, however long it took him, uh, and he said, oh, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay $21,000, put that money to work and make it act like $28,000. He's doing the same thing, right? Yes. But why would that not have been as efficient and as good for him long term than doing it in the way I just described? Sure. Well, he loses. There's there's opportunity cost in that twenty one thousand, whatever whatever percentage you want to tie it to, right? He no longer has that value because once it leaves my savings or checking account, it's gone forever. In this case, he's leveraging the life insurance company's money to do the same thing. His cash still, his cash value of his whole life insurance policy is still chugging along like nothing happened. He'll still get the full dividend if declared, which it will be. He'll still get the full interest earnings on on um, on his policy. So it's like nothing happened, right? And of course, everyone's gonna say, well, he's now paying interest on, on the loan. What say you? So yes, you're right. He is paying interest on that loan. So that 21000 he took out, until he pays that back, he's paying interest on the outstanding amount that's calculated daily, right? Well, you just said it. I mean, the reason why it's still beneficial to do it this way is that, well, that original $21,000 is still sitting in his account earning and being credited that those dividends and that interest from the insurance company. Um, that's right. And let's face it, the amount he saved by seeing this opportunity also far outweighs the interest he'll pay to the life insurance company, which is which is minuscule. Right. When you look at the amount of interest he's actually spending to do what the money did, it's yeah. it's really negligible. And there's no repayment schedule. And the interest rolls over every year, not every day. Right. So there's 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 a lot of value there that's just until you're again, you said it earlier, until you're doing IBC and you're seeing the mecha- mechanics of how the policies work and how the interaction with the company works, uh, you can't possibly know um, what we're talking about. So it's right. hugely advantageous, bottom line. Right. Um, yeah, it's, you know, and what he's doing here is thinking like a banker. Right. That that is what this concept actually forces you to do. Would a banker take his own cash and go spend it to pay his child's tuition in a year you know, upfront for a year? No, a banker is going to leverage your cash, which is sitting <laughs> in his bank and use that to go pay his child's tuition. Right. This is an example. Right. A banker's not actually doing this to, to pay your kid's tuition, but they're leveraging the money. The way we're taught to think is as consumers. And as a consumer thinks is, oh my gosh, if I have to pay interest on money, that's that's terrible. I am losing money because I have to pay interest on it, right? So I'm better off saving it up and then paying cash, right? Because the idea, if you only look through every, look at everything through just one frame of reference and only look at on the surface, yeah, you're paying interest. But what are you also earning? You're earning interest on that full amount forever, compounding. That's right. And dividends. And dividends. As Nelson puts it in the book, you know, the infinite banker is now earning what the bank would have earned had they not been doing IBC. If he had been doing this, if you go to the book, folks, you know, 
method E, IVC, method D, CD method. You know, I think method C was, was, was that cash? Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. Well, anyway, I don't fully memorize, but method E is IVC, right? Um, So he's now earning what the banker is earning because he's doing IBC. And that is hugely and immensely advantageous. Now, he does say, all things being the same, it's going to take you roughly, you know, in this example in the book, 14 years to for the IBC method to catch up to the cash method or the C, or maybe it was a CD method, actually. Okay, fine. But this is a long-term strategy. I don't care. The guy doing IBC, in this case, your friend, all things being equal to his twin brother paying private school tuition, the guy doing IBC is going to run away from the other guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Run away. And run farther each and every single year and make that gap even bigger every year after. Absolutely. Um, so what's interesting is that one of the questions we answered at the beginning here, like, hey, I'm saving my premium, my annual premium payment over here in a bank account. Uh, this client actually was doing that also saving up his premium. And in fact, he had it saved up well before the one year mark. And I think he sent it in like two months early, right? <laughs> what, what's a life insurance company going to do if you send your premium two months before it's due? Like they're not going to apply it towards your premium. Nope. They they're can't. Gonna, no, they cannot. Um, what, well, what well, did they do? Well, so they contacted me. They said, Hey, your client sent this money. What do you want us to do with it? He had an outstanding loan. And so this is the next step in the okay, evolution awesome. of his thinking. He, I, so he sent in, let's say it was like $30,000 and he had an outstanding loan, I think of like 20. Let's call it that, okay? Um, so the insurance company says, hey, your client sent in $30,000. What do you want us to do with it? And so I told him, I was like, hey, um, you can't pay your premium early. Sorry, it's on an annual basis. Like you can't even pay it a day early. That's a good it's, client though. I want to pay this annual premium. Yeah, get right? the money in there. And I, yeah, like I want to get ahead of the game. Well, unfortunately sounds you like can't. Sounds like you need to pay more premium. If you're listening, you need to pay more premium. It sounds yeah, like. oh, indeed. And we're, we're working on that. He's got some kids right. that, and actually his wife, um, yeah, looking at policy on her. But um, so he had, so this is the next evolution of thinking. He had the 30,000 he sent in. They couldn't do anything with it, but he had a $20,000 outstanding loan balance. And I said, here's what I recommend. Why don't we tell them, hey, apply $20,000 of that 30,000 towards the outstanding loan, repay all of that, and then refund the 10,000, whatever's left over. And he's like, at, at first he was like, no, I think I just want it all back. And uh, so then I had to have a conversation with him and be like, okay, well, let's think this one through. Like, I, I know what you're thinking. It feels good to have that money, like sitting in your account where you can actually reach out and touch it um, today, like the second, if you need it. Right. Like, but here's, here's what's going on behind the scenes. You're paying interest on $20,000 every single day. Uh, you have the ability to pay no interest whatsoever on that $20,000 by repaying it right now and saving your money in your in your bank, right? So after a little, not much thought, it clicked yeah. pretty quickly with him. He was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's pay off the loan and then send the rest back to me. And then I'll, I'll uh, you know, if I need to take a, a loan to pay the full premium here in a couple months, I will, but maybe I could save it all up again before the premium comes due. So it's, it's just funny. And this is a very smart guy, very good friend of mine, very smart guy. Did a ton of research on it, but until you start utilizing this concept and putting, you know, taking loans and repaying them and doing all that, you you can't really. It's impossible to really know everything until you start doing that, right? About yeah, no you know, question. The best way to and do what it. I 
What I'd say I appreciate about these people, I think every you know, people doing IBC are, are smart. Um, you know, there's a certain level of trust, but when you compare it to the, the typical monetary regime that most Americans are involved with, of handing your money over to Wall Street, and then you have a 2008 scenario where, you know, these huge old investment banks all of a sudden don't exist anymore, right? Uh, or they're getting bought out, or you know, by Bank of America, or by the American taxpayer, or whatever. Um, you know, it becomes fairly obvious that you know what I'm in complete control over over this banking system that I've created through dividend-paying whole life, and that should give people some immediate comfort. Like, yes, you are doing the right thing. Look around. This is a this is a wonderful thing you're doing, and you have complete control over the banking function. How mm-hmm. and how awesome is that? Well, and you and I are in a very unique position that we get to talk to a lot of people, uh, all of our clients who are who are doing this on a, a daily basis. But we're also talking to clients who are trying to, say, get a, a home equity line of credit. Uh, man, mm. a couple clients in the last couple weeks uh, both make very good incomes, no debt or very little debt. You know, so their debt to income ratio um, it looks really good from mm-hmm. the banking perspective. Uh, but and and several hundred thousand dollars of equity in their homes applied for a HELOC. They got turned down, just flat out turned down. I was talking to uh, got another client who just the other day um, she had just a small little IRA from a previous job that was sitting in a trust account, right, waiting for her to do something with. But hey, she needs that money today because what's our greatest need? A death benefit or financing the things of life? Finance. Yeah. So she needs she needed that money to finance some expenses that came into her life recently. So she just said, "I'm just going to cash that out." It was only a small, you know, it was like two thousand dollars. I'll pay taxes on it. I'll pay the penalty, but I need that cash. Well, guess what? To cash that out, they charged her fifty dollars. Of course they did. They charged her fifty bucks to send her a check for her own money. Of course they did, right? Because the golden rule: who he who has the gold makes the rules. Right. So it's either oh, well, you pay us fifty bucks to release your money from prison, uh, or you don't get your money. What do you think someone's going to do? They're going to pay the fifty bucks. It's like when no I was question. stationed in Germany, uh, we carried euro cash in the glove box for any time we got pulled over by a cop, the the polizei, because they would say they would demand cash. You pay right. them cash, and then you get to go. Right. If you don't pay him cash, then they escort you to an ATM where yep. you withdraw cash and give it to him. But people of virtue, for sure. Yeah. Right. So they make the rules. Um, it just story after story after story. And I'd love to get some feedback from any of the listeners out there who've had a similar story where they go to the bank. They think they got everything in line um, and and the bank flat out turned them down. I, I had another client yesterday. Um, actually, we talked today. It was it was last week like Friday, tried to wire money to an account. The bank got scared, thought it was a fraud and said, nope, we're not, we're not wiring your money. We're not, we're not releasing it. And she's like, what can, well, they're there to protect you, you know? Yeah. Well, they're there to protect themselves. Let's be honest. Right. <laughs> but she even said, so well, hey, would you like to talk? There's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. There's a problem with control. And if you're not in control, man, you know, I, you can only say this so much, and I feel like we do. I don't like we don't like to sound like doomsdayers or, you know, conspiracy theorists or the sky is falling. But there's there's some things coming on the horizon. I believe where your capital is going to be locked up if if you don't have control of it. If you've given that control to somebody else, 
there's going to be times in the in the near future probably where a lot of people are going to really need that capital and they're not going to be able to have access to it. Yep. We've ceded control of the banking function. So that's the problem. That's the solution. Solution. Yep. Paul is and holding I can't, up. It seems so up, silly, right? For the people who aren't watching this, Paul is holding up Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. This, yep. uh, we're, we're this isn't just on YouTube. Do it. Yeah. That's right. Um, seriously, I, I can't. I've been telling everyone that's new, read that book four times before we talk. Please read it four times, underline it, highlight it. I still read the Dane thing over and over and over again. And it just gets more and more and more and more clear. And then you look around examples like this, Dave, where people, we've seen control of the banking function. We think we've got all this home equity and blah, blah, blah. Houses increasing. And you're bombarded with commercials on on the radio around here in Northern Virginia about HELOCs and mm -hmm. cash out refis and all these things, right? Take advantage of your home equity. Well, sometimes you can't. Right. As you just pointed out. Yeah, equity in your home is completely useless if Worthless you cannot money. access it. That's right. It's dead right? money is what I tell my clients. Yeah, it really is. And there's no guarantee that you'll be able to access it. No, the really gatekeepers, isn't. you know, the gracious master at the bank has the key. And, the gracious uh, master. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff, the, the stuff Nelson puts in that book and in Warehouse of Wealth, um, which is the namesake of this podcast, Wealth Warehouse, uh, is just it, it becomes more revealing um as as we get older and we read it and we see what's going on in the world um it's just more and more revealing that you know these principles are they're really timeless control they your are. money uh leverage your money never give up the opportunity cost of spending cash that kind of stuff yep hmm. yeah. thankful he wrote that book you me and tens of thousands of others are very thankful so um, well, to sum this up, my client was able to think like a banker and then even with a little nudge and a little twist of thinking was able to realize, hey, instead of not only 24% savings, but let's look at it from a different perspective and see that we got a 33% ROI, tax-free, risk-free. Um, just amazing because, all, and it all started with, like Nelson says, it all starts with the way you think. Yep. Rethink your thinking. Rethink your thinking. I love that. We can't we can't express that enough. So starts with the way you think. And if you guys are ready to think differently, uh, or you know, at the very least, question. Uh, if you want to set up time with me or Paul to to just question these things that are going through your mind, um, challenge us on on some of the things with this concept. Uh, we're happy to have a conversation. Yep. So. Absolutely. Yeah, send an email, we'll send you a scheduling link and we can jump on a uh, on a short call, 20, 30 minutes and just give you the floor and let you ask whatever questions you want. You know, that's that's usually the best part of my week is I just go outside, walk around, take phone calls and and answer people's questions and try to demystify this and and simplify it uh, from all the noise that they've been bombarded with uh, when they're doing their research. And please do not skip the introduction to this book. It's on page three of the fifth edition. Do not skip the introduction, please. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our first so question. If you schedule time with us to, to discuss this concept, we'll just say, hey, did you read the introduction? At yeah, a bare minimum. It's only like bare minimum. It's like yeah. page three and four, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, but it's critical, right? It's, it's critical reading. Yeah, absolutely.
Well, great, man. Uh, this is good. Please keep the questions coming, and we'll uh, we'll prepare another episode for you next week. So, all right, buddy. We'll talk to you next See week. Later. later, buddy. See you. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.